It's time for the second episode of the Mariners Content Creator Spotlight. This time we got TJ and Lyle from the Marine Layer Podcast. It's going to be a lot of fun. Let's sail. You are Locked On Mariners, your daily Seattle Mariners podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ahoy, sailors. It is Thursday, February 15th, 2024. This is Tide Gonzalez for the Locked On Mariners podcast, brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the promo code Locked On, that's L O C K D O N, for $20 off your first purchase. Thank you so much for making us your first listen. Subscribe, like, and turn on alerts if you're watching on YouTube, or subscribe and leave a five-star review on your preferred podcast platform if you like what you hear. And if you're part of the crew and rock with us every single day, let us know in the comments below. And if you want to hear from us even more, please consider signing up for our Patreon. You can now get a free seven-day trial to check out the show. The link, as well as our social accounts, is in the description of this episode. And this episode is the second episode in our Mariners content and creator spotlight series this time i have tj matthewson and lyle goldstein of the marine layer podcast joining me to talk all about their podcast their creative process what it's been like being involved in the mariners community and then we're going to talk some ball it's going to be a really really fun conversation i think you'll really enjoy it so let's get into it I am here with Lyle Goldstein and TJ Matthewson. They are the hosts of one of my favorite Mariners podcasts out there, the Marine Lair podcast. Guys, thanks so much for being here. How are you doing? I'm good, Ty. Thanks for uh, thanks for taking some time to to fit us into this creator spotlight. It's a real pleasure. You guys do uh, do a really good job with Locked On. So it is. Uh, Thank you so much. I'll, I'll speak for for Lyle on this part. It's an honor here to be on the Locked On Mariners podcast. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. It's uh, great to have you guys. I I've been listening to your show for uh, for a while now. Love it, absolutely love it. Lyle, how are you doing? Good. I, I mean, I guess TJ kind of took the words out of my mouth, but when we saw you guys were doing this creator spotlight thing, we were we thought it was pretty cool that one you guys wanted to start this because I think it's cool how the community is starting to come together a little bit, and it seems like everybody's starting to get familiar with each other, probably even more than they were so before in terms of the people creating content, but also that you guys wanted to invite us on. We think this is really cool, and it's um, yeah, we really appreciate it. Yeah, when I when I came up with the idea, and well, I came up with the idea a while ago, but. Uh, when I decided it was time to finally execute the idea, you guys were one of the first ones that, that I thought to to reach out to. So I'm really happy that we're able to uh, finally come together and finally able to do this. So I want to know how your guys' uh, Mariners fandom began. Lyle, I'll start with you. I have been a Mariners fan for as long as I have memory. I'm I'm one of those guys. Like I wasn't one of those people that when I got to be nine, 10, 11 years old, I started to pick up baseball. It's like, no, from as long as I have memory, not only have I been loving baseball, both watching and playing, but it was the Mariners. Like my first game ever, this will be a deep cut for people, but Carlos Guillen hit a home run at the first game I was ever at. And from there on, he became my favorite player for the next few few years until he went to Detroit. And ever since then, I grew up with going to Mariners games and watching every night on TV, whether it was listening to Dave Niehaus or Rick Riz and Ron Fairley. And through all this time, I've stuck with it because I don't have a greater passion than Mariners baseball and baseball in general. Like I've absolutely loved it. And over the years, you know, there's been a lot of hills and valleys and certainly some valleys, as we all know, over 21 years. But I still wouldn't trade it for anything because it's kind of made me who I am being a Mariners fan. Absolutely. TJ? 
I don't have one specific memory like Lyle does, but I think my fandom really grew when I was, I'm going to say, between the ages of five and ten. Also, I mean, maybe a little bit less than that, but regardless, we had season tickets to the Mariners at this point. Mm-hmm. It was section 328 on the upper level, and we would do pretty much the exact same thing like multiple times a week during baseball season. I mean, we would be down at the ballpark. We'd get pizza from this very specific place on Occidental Avenue. Don't think it exists anymore, but it was always good. We always got it. And we always brought it into the ballpark. And then we would go up to section 328 and you walk up behind home plate where section 328 is. There's this giant purple arrow pointing at that entrance to section 328. And you go in and we sat at our seats and we watched counts, countless mid 2000s Mariners games. And that memory is just burned into my head so much that, you know, it was the the repetition over time that really gave me the the strong Mariners fandom. And if it, it was always like Lyle, the joy of playing baseball growing up, it just so happened to also be my favorite sport to play. And even though, again, the Mariners on the field didn't do their part in terms of like, yeah, this is something to really get excited about. We're really right. blowing the blowing this thing out of the water and getting you excited. But it's still they still managed to uh, to turn me around and it yeah. ended up working out okay because you know look at us here here I am 15 years later still uh, right. still doing it so can't complain too much so either one of you can tackle this but how and and when did you guys meet and and why did you guys start the podcast so the two of us met when we got to school at ASU so I grew up in Kirkland TJ grew up in Ballard which was a little far growing up to ever really cross paths so we didn't until we got to school but the two of us went to school for sports journalism at Arizona State and there are a decent amount of kids that go that come to school from out of state but at least in our program there wasn't a ton of Seattle kids and a lot of the Seattle kids that were there weren't major Seattle sports fans the way the two of us were so we pretty easily connected on that like our first conversation about the Mariners must have been the first or second time the two of us ever met. It led to us and our big group of friends staying friends all throughout college and the two of us specifically always being the Seattle sports people and baseball specifically being our favorite sport. We'd kind of thrown the idea around for a while of starting a podcast, but we really wanted to make sure we had the time and the vision to really make sure we got the most out of it when we started because we didn't want to be one of those podcasts that did a couple episodes and then just kind of let it go we wanted to do a lot with it and i think that's one of the things we're both really proud of that after the 2022 season we got it going and yeah we've we've kind of kept it going ever since and and wanted to keep it going for as long as we can i'll let tj fill in any of the blanks i missed there and I thought we had some, you know, there's always some good inspiration along the way, right? Whenever someone starts a podcast, there's usually a reason they do beyond just fandom. Like, Lau and I are very passionate Mariners fans. We think we know a lot about the game. We like to use advanced analytics. It's what we use on the on the show to mm-hmm. talk about the team and rationalize our decisions. But, of course, yep. there needs to be some, like, some inspiration along the way. I mean, I, I, I think about during COVID when everyone was home and th- there's you know a lot more time for people to think people to operate uh, and stuff like that. We saw the company we were, were currently partnered with just baseball really start their growth. And they started off their main show, the just baseball show. And they made a heavy emphasis to post on social media and, and especially short form video on TikTok and Instagram and, and grow that way. And I said, Oh, that's really cool. That seems like a lot of fun to do it that way. So when you combine the two on top of the most exciting Mariner season of our lives, it's almost the perfect storm yeah. as like, we got to do this now, don't we? Like, 
And yeah. I was like, all right, we're gonna we're gonna sit down. We're gonna make this happen after the Mariners got eliminated. After the Astros win the World Series, we're gonna sit down and we're gonna put our full effort into this thing. And it has turned out here through now 14 months, pretty uh, pretty good. And I can't I can say we're excited for everything that's happened in the past and everything that's gonna happen here in the the next 14 months as well. I do want to throw one more thing in really quick, just in terms of the namesake. So back in our freshman year of college, TJ and his identical twin brother, fun fact, did a couple episodes of a Mariners podcast together. It was just on audio platforms and they just kind of talked and got their thoughts out there. They did it a few times and then eventually it kind of stopped. But back then they they called it the Marine Layer podcast, but it just, you know, it, it never really went anywhere past the first five or 10 episodes. And when the two of us started thinking about the names when we decided we wanted to do a podcast i remember saying to tj you know i always liked that name i always thought marine layer like nobody really has that name it's very very unique to seattle i was like we should keep that and lo and behold we we have so is, is your twin brother like the uh the squidward watching patrick and spongebob from his window <laughs> you know having fun is that meme <laughs> kind of and he's not as much of a um i'll say outgo like like not like perpetually online enough. Well, he is sure. online a lot. He just doesn't, he is not a bit, not a big tweeter. Right. So he's not going to, he's not going to put his takes out in the public all that often, but gotcha. lo and behold, I mean, he's like, he's, he's, I would say pretty, pretty near to the level of knowledge that my brother and I are at. So, I mean, he's, he's a good person to bounce the knowledge off of though. I will give him credit. He is along a different line of thinking of, of some baseball fans. And, you know, like it gives good conversation right. for, um, for to 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 talk with him because he sees he sees the Mariners and how they should operate differently than Lyle and I do, which is totally okay, but makes for good content as well. Might have to eventually if we really if we're really struggling for content ideas, we'll honor him and and get him on the pod and and give him a give him ten minutes to to start uh start spewing a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I want to hear that. I want to hear that for sure. More from my conversation with Lyle and TJ in just a moment, but first a reminder: this episode of the Locked On Mariners podcast is brought to you by Game Time. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game Time is a fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. And with killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. So forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use promo code LOCKEDON, that's L-O-C-K-D-O-N, for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem promo code locked on. That's L O C K D O N for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. So, so kind of speaking of, you know, how you guys look at the Mariners, you know, I feel like content creators, us as content creators, um, you know, covering a baseball team, we all kind of have our own individual philosophies of, what we would like to see from the Mariners, how we would like to see them build out their roster, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, where did you guys, both of you, kind of find common ground with that? And what are some areas where maybe you guys butt heads a little bit, if at all? Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's a, a good very question. good question. <laughs> uh, least, you want to tackle that first, Lyle? Let's see. Well, at least in terms of the common thinking, I would say both of us. I think both of us have kind of grown into the wave of analytics together, so to speak. I don't think either TJ or I, back in our freshman year of college when we met, were insanely tuned in on 
sabermetrics. Like we knew a little bit about it. I was I was big on war back then, but that was about the extent of it. I think we learned more and more about it as time went on. And we just started to realize, like, especially when we had more time to learn about it, like over COVID when you didn't have that much to do. And over the last few seasons, when this Mariners core really came together, we just started to sit, sit there and say, like, I think we got to get people past batting average because batting average, look, it has its purpose, but what it essentially tells you is a single and a home run are the same value, which is obviously right. not true. So things right. like WRC plus, even something a little more basic like OPS, and there's a bunch of other things you can look at too. We just started to realize, I think there's way better stats out there for this. And we said, if we're going to start this podcast, I think we could do our little part to just help push people toward that more because I think the game needs to grow in many ways. And I think that's one of them. So at least in terms of like our like-minded thinking, I think that's how it started. I think it was a gradual progression over time. And the two of us bounce things off each other constantly. Honestly, I'd right. say we're both pretty analytic heavy. I'd honestly say TJ's probably even a little bit better with it than I am. But all the time, the two of us will bounce things off each other. And I think it makes for a good conversation when we get on the air. Because when we send each other things over messages or on camera before we start recording, it it helps the two of us. And I'll say where we see differently. So Lyle did a, a very good job there of highlighting sort of how we how we've grown into this. But a podcast where two people agree on everything is 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 not good. It's not good right. content because there's right. no there's no there's no actual discussion being generated. It's just throwing ideas out there. It's like, yep, yeah, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, great. And that's yeah. certainly not what like Lyle and I do. We we have our differences. Like I would say overall our podcast is is optimistic. We like to see the positive side of things. It's right. it's more fun that way, you know, living in the negativity is detrimental on it affects your mood and, and stuff like that. It's just not not all great to sort of live that way. So we try not to be that way. But you know, Lyle's a more optimistic person than I am for sure. Like Lyle, do you agree with that? Like you are a little bit more on the optimistic side of a lot of things, especially individualistic player things, opposed to me, a, a bit more of a pessimist on that side. And we'll have our, our disagreements on the podcast on how things are in that way. Um, I, I would say that's like sort of the biggest thing on that. But I think that adds uh, mm -hmm. dimension and, and helps increase the sort of the the discussion of the podcast a little bit. Well, did, do you have anything else to, to add for that? I think you hit that pretty well, that I'm probably a little bit more optimistic on the player side of things. I always Jared like to hope. <clears throat> What's that? Oh, Jared Koenig. Well, that's a good one. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I thought this guy was the absolute second coming when he was coming up and, and I, I never lost faith. Like, especially, Oh, that last April, I was like on top yeah. of the world. And I learned one yeah. of the mojo. I think, I think it's Joe. One of the mojo guys is, I guess a big Kelnick fan too, which maybe we'll have yeah. to connect on that. But yeah. So, so for example, like that, I'll get very, very invested in player success. And TJ's kind of the one that's sometimes like, all right, I'm going to bring you back down from, from planet Mars here. I'm going to yeah. drag you back down to earth a little <laughs> bit. So that in, in that sense, that'll happen sometimes. Or like, I mean, I guess the Shohei thing too, where like, I really tried to speak it into existence, even though yeah, I probably yeah. knew it was never, it was never, look, it was never really going to happen, but I said it was not a fun way to be a fan. If you just gave up on the idea back in, I don't know, August, yeah. September, whatever, where TJ sometimes was the one to drag me down from it a little bit. It's like, yeah, you might want to yeah. lower your expectations sort of thing. 
So, look, I'm a yeah. little, I'm, I'm a little delusional on this show. I, I don't care. I, I'm more of the the fan than Colby is. Colby is very objective, and he has mm-hmm. to bring me down to earth a lot of the times. He's, you know, it's very much. I don't know if you guys have ever seen Parks and Rec, but a lot of the times people have made the comparisons between us and Chris Traeger and Ben Wyatt, where you know I'm Chris and I'm very optimistic and happy go lucky, and I don't want to break bad news to anyone. And then here comes Colby, who's like everything is awful. And everyone <laughs> sucks. And, uh, you know, I think you need someone like that to, to bring you down to reality a little bit, especially yeah. with things like when it comes to like the Otani thing where it's like, OK, yeah, Otani's not signing here, but he's not he's not signing here. But the one year, sixty five million dollar deal sure sounded good. Yeah, Yo. That, sounds, <laughs> that, that sounds fun to talk about that, for three months. Right. <laughs> that that set me into a frenzy when I saw that report. But uh, but anyway, um. Yeah. And, and even like off camera too, and we're not talking baseball, like I'd say the two of us have disagreements all the time about the way we want to structure things or how we want to post things, but not in ever a way that's like, it actually leads to some argument or something like that. No, it's, no. it's, they're healthy disagreements, which I think are good because similar to if you have the same takes on all your podcasts, that doesn't make for a good product. I think if you have two equally like-minded people that think the exact same way on the same wavelength all the time, I don't think yeah. that makes for a good, for yeah. a good product either like sometimes tj's right about some things sometimes i'm right about some things but that's why we talk it out with each other a lot of the time and i think that's what what helps us and and i think it helps that we've been friends for so long too it's not that hard for us to have disagreements more from my conversation with Lyle and TJ in just a moment. But first, a reminder this episode of the Locked On Maris podcast is brought to you by FanDuel. With football officially in the books and some time before baseball gets underway, why don't you try your hand at betting on some hoops? Get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150 if your bet wins. Bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live same-game parlays, exclusive props, and more. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on and shoot your shot. That's FanDuel.com slash L-O-C-K-D-O-N. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. You're listening to the Locked On Mariners podcast. Thank you again for making us your first listen. We're here with TJ and Lyle from the Marine Layer podcast. It's a great podcast. You can find it on all podcast platforms. You can find it on YouTube. It's part of the uh, Just Baseball conglomerate. Uh, we're big fans of Just Baseball over here. Just Baseball has uh, quite a few current Locked On hosts and former Locked On hosts. Obviously, Aram uh, is uh, over there and Javier is over there. I, th- I think Ryan Thick- is is over there too yeah Yeah. uh so quite a few guys over there uh i want to know what your overall creative process is like and what your main objectives are when you go into creating a podcast creating a short all that i think our creative process what let's just say we're let's base everything off the podcast when we want to create something so first of all it starts with the podcast, right? We get, we need to sit down and we need to record a podcast because in the end, that's the main product. So we're going to do, we're going to focus on that first, but off of that podcast, we're going to try and think of how many different ways can we market or market ourselves off of this podcast? How many different ver- ways of content can we get out of this? Okay. So we're already, yeah. of course, like locked on, we're on all the audio platforms and we're on YouTube. Great start. That's where most of the 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 latching on comes from, where if people are going to actually tune in and listen to you week after week after week, it's probably going to come from the podcast. 
probably not going to come from the short form, but how many different ways can we get this content to somebody? Okay, so we're going to, we decided, listen, we're going to go, we need to post something about this on TikTok, on Instagram, on YouTube shorts, in case someone doesn't have an hour and 20 minutes to sit down and watch our whole, whole podcast. Okay, here's our best moment in 60 seconds. Please watch that instead. Then, you know, we post it on Twitter as well. All these different ways to get people in. Okay, are we going to cut something else from the show as well? Another different topic that somebody can engage with and comment with and just see sort of the, just the, let the algorithms do work, really. I, right. I think of what it is. Because we, you know, we started from zero, like ground zero, no backing, nothing. Like we, we were like, we need to grow this ourselves what is the best way to do it well we're not just going to post this on twitter and retweet it and expect a bunch of people to see it and start listening to our podcast episodes and they shoot through the roof no we gotta force this into people in front of people yeah. and get them interested and have them come back and keep watching youtube al algorithm helps but then the short form stuff the reels and the tiktoks really do really do a number so we just want to find the right mix of so a creating a good podcast and b marketing and branching content off of the podcast in as many in many ways as possible. I would say this like going to journalism school has helped us in some ways in terms of how to structure podcasting because even though this mm -hmm. wasn't our main focus when we were in journalism school because we're in the field and 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 want to be in sports media for our careers like we've been forced to pay attention to how the field changes and we've seen it in the last few years how much it's changed to things like this. It's YouTube, it's podcasting, it's short form content. And you hear so much nowadays that for a lot of people, especially if you want to start a podcast in today's day and age, that you have to do a lot through the short form stuff. Because what yeah. happens is if you're some new podcast that people haven't heard of, they're probably not going to sit down for an hour plus and listen. What you have to do is what people talk about is you're going to have to build up a following through short form. And if people see enough of your 60 second clips and say, oh, mm. I kind of like these guys, well, maybe we should check out their full podcast. And lo right. and behold, very, I guess, lucky for us and fortunately enough for us, that seems to be how we've grown at a decent amount is people have seen enough 60 second clips from us really optimizing short form content and saying, oh, I like these guys. They seem cool. They seem to know right. what they're talking about, I guess. Let's check them out for the full podcast. And I think that's kind of how things have generated over time. So with that, in terms of creative process, I think the two of us are always trying to think about not just show topics that make sense for the full podcast, but what would be good in a short form aspect and how many different show clips you can get from each show or other different pieces of content that we could create. And with that, again, continue to kind of build an audience that way if that makes sense just right. because yeah again so like like having to build up our following from scratch that seems to be what's worked best for us and i would say along with that the two of us are pretty organized with things too like i think one of the things the two of us have taken pride in is since we started this podcast and started the social platforms we posted something every single day and i think we and that's right. something we really wanted to to do is we didn't want to skip days. We wanted to always try to optimize opportunities to get content out there. Even when there's not much content to have, like think right. of something, even if it's short, do something. And the two of us are always texting back and forth. Are you going to edit something today? Are you going to post something today? And I think, again, that's just another way that the two of us have worked really well together. And, and we're pretty proud of the work we've done so far. So and, I was gonna... uh, just to, just to, I'll say last point on that. And I, I think the best thing is just holding each other accountable. I think that's the best 
best way when we are essentially co-owners in this thing. We need to the like splitting it 50-50 and essentially have as much of a democratic po- process in operating right. this podcast as possible, I think mm-hmm. leads to the most efficient outcome. That's great because if it's only one person's thing, you know, like what if said person gets lazy or, and and forgets on this something? Oh, I'm busy today. I can't post anything on social. Well, when you have two people, it's like, well, each other kind of like, let's find a way to do this. Let's find a way to do that. Let's find a way to schedule this person. Let's find a way to talk about this. Like all right. these things. It just, it really helps the dynamic with two people opposed to someone starting their own podcast podcast by themselves so i was going to ask you guys if you had any advice to someone that's trying to get into the space that's trying to start up a mariners podcast or just create any sort of content around the mariners but a lot of the stuff that you said i, I feel like is is good advice to, to someone looking to do that is there anything else though that you would say to someone that's trying to get into this be yourself most importantly yeah, yeah. I, I think that one's huge because I think the two of us have really found a place where we feel like we can do that. Like, like I've done some play-by-play broadcasting, which I really liked. And that's what the two of us thought we were going to do coming out of mm-hmm. school. And I always liked doing that. Like, like I would still, I would still take opportunities today if, if opportunities come up to do it. But I would say where I've really most felt myself in a sports media environment, maybe that's because I've always loved the Mariners, but it's through this, through podcasting. I really feel like the, the person I am talking about the Mariners with TJ, like that's me. If you met me in person, I'd like to think I'd be the same person. So I would say be yourself right. is huge. And also like, don't be afraid to start like every single yeah. person that starts a podcast and builds it up. Yeah. You're going to get negative comments. It's a very unfortunate. That's the way the internet is, but it happens to everybody. The biggest and best podcasts in the world get those comments. Like, and, and that's part of the reason we do a segment once a month where we kind of read some of our like ruthless comments, I guess, because we want to just show people one, we can laugh it off. And two, right. you're not alone. This happens to everybody, but okay. I'm, I'm sidetracking a little bit here. Just start is the big thing. Just start because if you, if you never actually get out and do it, you'll always think to yourself, well, at some point in time, I'll start it. But if you just start, it's the easiest way to keep yourself pushing forward. And, and, and look, nobody's Joe Buck when they start or in a, in podcast yeah. form, nobody's, I mean, nobody's Ryan Rosillo when they start in terms of like big sports podcasts. But yeah. I would think that's every single person that it'll eventually look back and say, Oh, I've, I've grown a lot over time. Like it, like 10 episodes ago, I sounded way different. 50 episodes ago, I sounded way different. Yeah. So don't worry about if in episode one or episode two, you feel like, oh, this isn't how I want to sound. The more you do it and the more you stick with it, you're going to get the results you want to find. Yeah. And if you love it and if you love the team, just do it. Just go for it. I was working at a movie theater and Colby was working at a grocery store and we just found the time to talk ball and write about the team back when we were still at Soto and you know when the pandemic hit. He and I both had nothing better to do. So we're like, let's just keep going with it and let's start up CTZ. And then eventually the opportunity for Locked On came. And we've been able to, you know, fortunately grow this into what it's become now. And we want to take it further than, than, you know, where it is already. Um, But it can happen for anyone because there's still, I mean, even with, how much this community has grown in such a short amount of time over the last couple of years with podcasts like your guys's um there's still space for more people to talk about this team for people to bring different things to the table that aren't really there i mean i've had 
multiple people reach out to me via DM on Twitter and, you know, say, Hey, I, I got this idea. And it's like, I, I don't know anyone that's doing that. We're certainly not doing that. Go for it. Do it. So if anyone out there that's listening to this right now, that if you have an interesting idea, if you have your own interesting spin, and you don't have to reinvent the wheel here, but if you have an interesting spin, or do you think that you can offer something uh, to the conversation, to the community that is missing, or you think that your personality is something that this community is missing, go for it. Absolutely go for it. So it's been a weird off season. It's, kind of over i mean we're at pitchers and catchers now but so many guys are still left on sign so who knows um but w- what have you thought about this this whole offseason tj i'll start with you organizationally disappointing it could right. it could not be more disappointing as an organization as a whole it is the last thing you want to hear ever you right. the last thing you want to hear is a group of people who own the team tell you they don't have they don't have money to spend on the team after telling you for years oh don't worry when the time comes the checkbook is open and we're going to try and win a championship and obviously that's not the case that's not even debatable that's not not on the top of their mind right now but for what jerry and justin had to work with this offseason sequencing aside which sequencing made the offseason seem worse at first better now because all the bad and then all the good coming here at the end Right. Like this team's better than it was last season. Now Agreed. they have upgraded at positions they've needed to. We sit here and we're sitting last season. And I'm like, there are games in the 2023 Mariners season where Colton Wong is at second base and Tommy LaStella is DHing. I'm just sitting there thinking, how is this possible? How is this possible? And now you fast forward to 2023 and you have an all star caliber or 2024 and you have an all star caliber player at each position Jorge Polanco and Mitch Garber. And that's not even counting the added depth in the outfield in the corner, the added proficiency of the bats of Mitch Hanniger and Luke Rayleigh in those corner spots. That's like that. Those are spots you needed more production out of last season. And you have four guys who are better than their counterparts, if not significantly better than their counterparts were last season with all the good pitching that you had last season, returning all of it. And that leads to a lot of excitement. I am excited. I am through the moon to watch this team. That's all we could ask for. For the budget they were given, this is about as exciting of a team as we could ask for. And this is, with all of us growing up watching, probably the least exciting franchise in baseball. Seriously, in the mid-2010s. Least exciting until Nelson Cruz came along. Yeah, I'll say I'll say Robbie and Nelson Cruz. So pre-2014, but no, I'm with you. Jerry and Justin as a whole, I think TJ said that really well, but Jerry and Justin as a whole, I don't know how you could give them anything but an A- minus at the very least for what they've done this winter, given the restraints that they had. I mean, TJ talked about how massive the second base and DH upgrades are, which they are. Like Jorge Polanco and Mitch Garber were on this team last year. We're talking about a different story for a ball club that finished only two games behind Texas and Houston. And then you factor in Luke Rayleigh, who first half of the year last year was crushing the ball. You get Mitch Haniger back. Like I'm, I'm still almost flabbergasted that they found a way to move off of Robbie Ray's contract. And not that I would have complained if they had kept Ray and waited till August or so for him to come back. But they needed bats. The fact, the fact that they flipped an injured arm for a bat that's very familiar with the team, and we know when he's healthy. And Mitch Haniger can be very good. 
and the fact that like I know you love this move, Ty, but Gregory Santos at the end, like yeah. it felt like after Polanco, it's like okay, this is a really good offseason. Then it's oh, we just added firepower to that bullpen. Like bullpen was already good, but you lose Topa, you kind of lack that third dominant arm in the bullpen all of a sudden. But then you go get Gregory Santos, who was unbelievable last year. And you create what's a true three-headed monster. Like, if you get George Kirby and Logan Gilbert and Luis Castillo, all these guys going six innings, you turn it over to those three, like, good luck to opposing hitters. And I think that is one of the things that they capitalized on so, so well. Because they know the strength is their pitching, and they're doubling down on that, getting a bullpen arm like that. So, Jerry and Justin... I, if you don't have good things to say about what they did this winter with the restraints they had, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, I, I said earlier this offseason that it was like the, uh, you know, that that Shaq and Kobe video that everyone posts. That's uh-huh. that's Jerry and Justin the, yeah. this offseason. Yeah. Yeah. They're hooping. They were hooping this, this offseason. Like, once you got through all the bad, right, which the last, like, really bad thing was the Jared Kelnick trade where it was just like, what the hell is going on? Like, I remember the way that I felt that night. That's still, to our uh, to this day, our most popular video because, yeah. same with us. obviously, people were very upset. Yeah. Like, naturally. Like, mm-hmm. understandably so. But from that point forward, sign Garver, then a few weeks later, they pull off the, the Hanniger trade and the Rayleigh trade. You guys should have seen my face when I got that text that Mitch Hanniger is coming back like two hours before he got announced. Mm-hmm. You should. You I thought I was seen, getting trolled. Yeah, you should have <laughs> seen. You should have seen my face. I was on a plane when it happened, and I'm getting texts from people. So I had iMessaging, but I couldn't get tweets, and I'm like screaming at people in all caps, yeah. saying like, "Fill me in right now on what's going on," because I can't see. Like yeah. TJ had to do some of it. Some other people had to do some of it. Yeah, like Just I can only copying know. and pasting Jeff Passan into Lau into the into text messages. Yeah. Like, hello, I'm Jeff Passan. Yeah. <laughs> and then. You know, we got to that point, right? Where I'm, and I'm sure you guys remember this when the the conversation on Mariners Twitter was all about Whit Merrifield, mm-hmm. because he said that he liked hitting at T-Mobile Park, and people just lost the their o- minds. The only player to ever say that it's like, okay, so we kind of have to sign him now, right? Right? right like right. It, it has to. Right. And I was like, and I'm like, I just, yeah. it's like. It's like uh, it's uh, uh, I'm picking a bat. It's like Tuffy Ghost Switch coming in saying, "Man, I love T-Mobile Park. <laughs> right? <laughs> I loved it." And then I was I'm like, I, "You know, I think we'll pass on you, Tuffy." <laughs> so you know, we got to that point, right? Where it's like, "All right, we're talking about like a bench player. We're talking about a topper for the mm-hmm. offseason, essentially." Um, and instead, we get an all-star caliber second baseman. And then one of the best young relievers in all of baseball. I mean, are you kidding? <laughs> like, especially in this offseason of all the off seasons for them to do it. You know, my biggest complaint with um this regime, the the Depoto regime and their roster builds in the past, specifically in the off seasons, not really over the course of the year, once they, you know, kind of look at what they have and then readjust, is that they haven't gone into a season with too much, right? So even deals like Blake Hunt, Samad Taylor, bringing in someone like Kanan Smith and Jigba that has some upside just on the back end of the 40-man roster where now you're, you're so far removed from if injuries crop up, you don't, you don't have to pull another Jose Caballero, another Mike Ford out of thin air. Right. You have guys that at least have some upside 
or you know like with a Cade Marlowe or again a, a Samad Taylor someone that has tools that are projectable that are very easy to see can carve out a path a, a role at the major league level or they have some actual major league experience and some success um so i love that aspect of the roster build as well but also to just go yeah we could go out and get what merrifield and you know given what the restrictions were on us that's a fine off season you know after adding garver and Rayleigh and hanniger and doing all those things but let's go get an all-star second baseman let's go get a really really fun reliever we all expected it to be over after the Mitch trade and Rayleigh on the same day. Okay, like yeah. they got there too. I would have been, I would have, I was sitting there. I was thinking I was on the air hosting on the radio at that time. So I'm sitting there thinking, like, okay, this looks like the capper of the offseason. Like yeah. it, it's done. They're going to get ready. They'll add marginal pieces and go from here. And then, yeah. as you said, no, <laughs> that was not the case. They like the foot was on the gas as much as it possibly could, as much as that $145 million budget could press the gas towards the, yeah. towards the floor, <laughs> yeah. the floor of the yeah. car. They're they're getting close to it now. I just hope Jerry keeps his promise that that number is going to go above 145 by the time this by the time the season's in. Because when they're going to have an opera, then the next step of all of this, Jerry potentially has gone into the season with too much. And you could argue that they still don't have too much, but I'll say it's enough for now because they've right. if they've filled pretty much every hole except third base. Right. But then once the Mariners are in season and injuries start happening, are they going to get? the resources they need if they're playing well to plug those right. holes. Everyone remembers 2018. That was a flawed team that got off to a really hot start. They were in playoff position. Jerry's ready to go make an acquisition at the deadline and ownership says, Nope, mm -mm, not happening. We're not, we're not, we are not stretching ourselves to make the playoffs. And they didn't, yeah. they made marginal acquisitions and they fell flat on their face at the end of the last final two months of the season and missed the playoffs. That can't happen again. That shouldn't happen again. Yeah. Like the expectation is not for that to happen again. And that's going to be the next question. The front office and the people above them need to answer as the season goes along. Yeah. And the nice thing about that is there is some payroll left over in the budget. That's the good news. Like, like it in theory, in in theory. Th okay. In theory, <laughs> good, good in theory yeah. as far as we know, there's payroll right. left in the budget because if the statement is true that payroll will, at least marginally go up, if not even just stay the same from last year and be at 140. You right. do have a little bit of room to work with at the deadline if you want to go get a couple of impactful pieces. And the hope is they're going to do that. So if you want to look at it in that sense of, okay, maybe there's a hole or two you could still fill right now, but are opting to leave some payroll left open, then you look at it as, okay, where will our needs truly be and then we can go get it at the deadline. Maybe it's not third base. Maybe Arias and Rojas combined for a 110 WRC plus this year and are totally fine as a platoon over at third base. You find out your needs are somewhere else. You go get a bat or an arm from somewhere else. So, mm -hmm. yeah, the, just the hope is they will go at at the deadline. And it's not like 2018 when it's Adam Warren and Zach Duke and Cameron Maven. Yeah. <laughs> that 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 hurts. That hurts. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, those those um, names aren't aren't fun to rehab. I, re I, re I remember I remember that deadline. Uh, yeah. yeah, that yeah. was that was I think my first year writing about the team on Soto. Mm -hmm. And you know, leading up to the deadline, we were doing a lot of deadline articles and you know, mock trades and stuff. And let's just say I had 
much higher hopes. I was <laughs> I was shooting a lot higher than Zach Duke and Cameron David Jesus. As you Anywho, should. Yeah. Yeah. No. That's that's correct. As I should. As I should. Um what are your expectations for 2024 and do you have any predictions? So, I think we differ on this a little bit, but like I think the Mariners can win the West. I really believe yes. that. The whole caveat is they do have to stay healthy. And everybody knows that is the biggest question mark of this team is the lineup has to stay healthy. But mm-hmm. if they do it, and you would think Mitch Garver being a full-time DH should help that a lot now that he's not going to be catching. And if they're healthy, I like they have the best pitching in the division. They might have the best bullpen in the division. You can argue Houston's up there too. But between that combined... And an offense that is much improved for a team that only finished two games behind Houston and Texas last year. Doesn't feel like that much ground to make up. Houston's rotation's getting older. Like Verlander's already got some injury issues. I think there's a chance they can win this division. I really do. I'm not saying they're going to win 100 games, but there's a world where 92, 93, 94 wins might win you the West this year. And I think there's a chance the Mariners can really do that. So early, bold prediction, that's my prediction, is this team can win it. I'm a couple wins lower than Lyle, and while I think they can win the division, I just don't. I don't think it's at quite as realistic. I'll, I'll notch down my my excitement for the division a little bit. I they feel more like a second place team with a tiny bit of upside to potentially win the division. So I sure. feel like right now it's them in Texas second and Houston first. Now that could mean still 88 to 90 wins, which would be perfectly fine. That would be above their Vegas total right now. If they were to hit 90, that would be more than they had in 2023, and that would be an upgrade. What's lucky for them, if you look at the American League, like where are the great teams? There aren't any. You look in the National League, there are two elite teams, and I mean cream of the crop. You go over to the American League, no perfect teams. You don't need to be perfect. You just need to be in the right situation at the right time, and then once you get in the playoffs, ball's got to bounce your way, and the Mariners, certainly the way this roster is structured, are setting themselves up to do exactly that. So we do this thing every year called Flag Week, where we eliminate, you know, the Julios and the JPs of the world, the very obvious answers. Uh, and we plant our flag on a player that we're rocking with for the whole year that we really, really, really believe in. So I'm allowing you guys, each of you, to pick a player that you believe in in 2024. TJ knows exactly where I'm going with this. And I, I know I'm sure our two shows have some crossover. And for those of you who listen to the to our show, you know that there's two players I love. One of them is gone and Jared Kelnick. The other one's Dylan Moore, who I've loved forever now. And the dude, is, I think, is just about the perfect utility player because he plays everywhere, plays good defense. At the plate, he walks. He has pop. He can steal some bases. He is exactly what you want in a utility player. And he crushes lefties when he's at his best. The reason I think he had a down year last year is he basically had no spring training because he was injured. They tried to ramp up some at-bats in the minors. He probably didn't get enough, and then he had to try to adjust to big league pitching, and he was behind the eight ball. He gets into spring training healthy this year, which he currently is. That is a guy that has so much value to a team off the bench, late in games, plays a couple times a week, crushes lefties. I think Dylan Moore, if healthy, gets back to 2022 Dylan Moore here in 2024. That would be a really valuable piece, and I would certainly not complain about Dylan Moore. But I think it it for me, it's gonna be Ty France. So finally he's going to drive line in the offseason. People were, were saying, okay, Ty, look what happened to JP. I think that's what we want from you, Ty. Loft lift the ball a little bit more, 
hit for a little bit more power, mm-hmm. have just sort of a different feel for your swing. And Ty, finally, what it seemed like he was one of the first guys at driveline once the offseason started. And yeah. that gets people excited. It doesn't guarantee results, but it's showing that he understands what he did last season was not acceptable. And if Ty France can turn back the clock to 2021 in this lineup, we're, I mean, we're talking about a, a different level of excitement for this team and this lineup. I mean, Ty France hitting in your, that version of Ty France hitting in your six or your seven hole is a game changer. That make that makes your lineup one of the best in the American League. It already is. It makes it better. I mean, you get closer and closer to the Houston Astros if that's what you get about Ty France. And, th- you know, it's fine he's not the best power-hitting first baseman in baseball because you already have other power threats in your lineup. That's not what he has to be. He just needs to be the best version of Ty France, and I think the best the best version of Ty France makes this roster just so much better. And Tiles is also just hilarious, so that gets extra brownie points. So... I'm on Twitter right now. I got to ask you guys about this because this is very interesting. So Ryan Divish was on the Lookout Landing podcast and apparently said that Jerry DePoto and Scott Service are not under contract beyond this season, hmm. which we didn't oh, have a com- we didn't have a confirmation of actually until I guess huh. now. So what are your guys' now, reactions to that? Whose choice would that be? Would it be Jerry? Like, GMs and, and managers by choice never want to have be on a prove-it contract because then they can't make moves beyond this year, right? They they, they can't do that. It's, it, it's always the worst possible thing ever. But you know what? I kind of have PTSD. I think, when was the last time this was the case? It was 2018. They got their extensions, and then right after that, the team crashed. It crashed and burned, and people were like, oh, my goodness. They... Well, they got extended in, what, 2021, I think, too. Or at least Jerry did. Yeah. I can't remember how long the 2018 extensions were, but that one that one stood out to me because I remember they both got extensions that year in 2018. And, you know, I don't think that's going to happen this year, but you, you, you don't – you really don't ever know. But, yeah, is, the, is it RSN uncertainty? Is it just we haven't gotten to it yet? I It would have been a good offseason to do it. Yeah, I I hope. I mean, Jerry and Scott both, but especially when you think about Jerry up at the top of the front office, like mm-hmm. I hope he sticks around. Maybe there. I, I mean, I know there's some Mariners fans out there that aren't the biggest Depoto fans. I certainly really appreciate everything Jerry Depoto's done. And I hope he stays because you know, I don't know if he'd take another job out there. I don't know if there's another job out there that would offer him something. But just thinking about what he's dealt with in his career, he has dealt with two very subpar ownership groups. He had to deal with Artie Moreno. Now he's had to deal with the Mariners ownership group. Like there's a part of me that wonders if he's just itching to be like, can I just put my philosophies into place and have a fair, reasonable, competitive like payroll to work with? I hope he sticks in Seattle. I hope they find a way to keep him around. And Scott Service too, who is very clearly not just a good manager, but well, well liked in the clubhouse. I, I think that would I think that's a bad I, that would be bad news if those guys left after this year weren't brought back because I think there's such focal points at this point of where the team's going and who the team is so I hope those guys stick around and if they didn't want them like you fire them like you don't just yeah. let the contract run out and be like all right see ya like right. you just don't want the two of them operating like they won't be in Seattle next season that that does nothing to the 2025 Mariners we want the 2025 Mariners to be good right. But well, because it does make no, you wonder, like, what would they do at the deadline? Right. Yeah. Are they just going to go all in 
Like, right. I don't think either of us, if they don't have to, trade Cole Emerson or Cole Young or Harry Ford. But if Jerry seriously doesn't think he has to be here next year, then he has no, there's no attachment there. Yeah. Yeah. It's that stinks. It, yeah. It's very, I don't, I don't want those guys gone. I think this is coming out on Thursday. We do podcasts twice a week, Wednesday and Friday. We might have just found our Friday podcast topic. I can tell you what. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. Very, very interesting. All right. Well, on that note, um, thank you guys so much for for being here, for doing this. Really appreciate the conversation. Um, Once again, just love your guys' podcast. Cannot recommend it enough to our listeners. Um, Where can everyone find it? Uh, where can everyone find some of your other work? If you've got uh, anything else you're working on, feel free to plug it. Um, floor is yours. So, yeah, we're on all podcast platforms, wherever you want to look. We're on YouTube as well. Short form on Instagram and TikTok at Marine Layer Pod. Lau and I are both decently active on Twitter. If you want to find us there, we're friendly. We don't bite. Um, so, yeah, all, all the all the good stuff. I will say we're on YouTube shorts along with YouTube too. Like we have our own podcast, Twitter account, like all our apps are just at Marine layer pod. We're pretty easy to find. And yeah, I, I'd say that's the gist of it. I do some writing over it at just baseball. If you want to catch TJ on the radio talking about Oregon state, he's down in Corvallis at, at KJO. Um, and Oh, and otherwise for, for anybody that might be going down to spring training, we'll be in the two of us will be at spring training the first week of March. So if anybody's going to be in Arizona, we we always tell people we love to meet people. We love to talk to Mariners fans. So if you're going to be down there, tell us. We'd be happy. We'd be happy to meet up. Perfect. Thank you so much, guys. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, Todd. This is this has been awesome. We appreciate it a ton. All right. That is going to do it for our show. Thank you again to TJ and Lyle for taking the time to chat. Really had a fun time recording that one, and I hope you enjoyed it as well. Next week on the Mariners Content Creator Spotlight, we'll be joined by longtime friend of the show. And the creator of the C-Level Substack, that is Ben Ranieri. Really, really looking forward to that one. Until then, thank you so much for joining us here on the Lockdown Mariners podcast. I've been your host, Tidane Gonzalez. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. You can follow me at Tidane Gonzalez and my co-host Colby at CPAT11. That's C-P-A-T-1-1. You can also find all that stuff in the description of this episode. And thank you again for making us your first listen. Have yourself a beautiful baseball day, and we'll see you next time. Peace.